Tickets? Check. Popcorn and beverage? Check. It's showtime. Local talk that's moving the needle. From the iHub Radio Screening Room, this is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. Hey, welcome back to the iHub Radio Screening Room. I'm Brian Mendoza, the host of Flicks and Picks. It's such a lovely Saturday. And whenever you get to listen to this, I hope you're having a great day. Stay home. Wash your hands. Enjoy a great movie. There's plenty of movies to watch out there. And there's so many interesting movie news coming out, especially from Universal Studios and their Let's just say their drama with AMC theaters, which I think I'm going to start the show off with that first because it's a lot to unpack, especially considering that, oh boy, it, it, it's something that the, the that the film world has to really kind of have a stake in. I think it, it's one of those things where us as film buffs, we have to really, um, I would say consider having a point of view about this because this is one of those things where if we don't side with one type uh, with AMC theaters on this in my personal opinion I'm, I'll give my opinion but I'll tell you the news there's just there's going to be people are going to have sides and it's going to be a bit of a battle but I'm hoping that people can I hope we can leave um, leave this battle with a sort of understanding of how film is going to go right after the coronavirus crisis ends. I know that it's tiring hearing about it and you're kind of thinking, geez, you know, I'm listening to this movie review show. I really shouldn't be hearing about coronavirus. Well, that's the thing is that coronavirus has kind of created a situation for Universal Studios and the AMC theaters. So we're going to have to wait a little bit on that, on coronavirus no longer being relevant. We're going to have to wait. And also in the show today, I'm going to talk about the movie Portrait of a Lady on Fire in the later half of the show, and then talk about the movie Outbreak, which I happen to see, and is it any good? We'll, we'll, have, to, we'll have to discuss that a bit later on. But I also want to talk about um, California's plan for movie theaters. When will people start feeling safe, and when California can do so? And my opinions on whether or not California's reopening will affect how movie theaters will, movie studios will do so, because... Believe it or not, California is actually a really important, is the biggest population in the United States. That's the first thing. But it's also the, I would argue, the movie going epicenter of the world. Us, We do go to the movie theaters often, more often than other people. So it, it could just be the thing where if LA is closed, then there's a good chance movie theaters will probably not be feel confident opening up or studios will not feel confident releasing their movies out. That's kind of more the case, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see when we discuss that. But first, so I kind of have to give some previously on, it's kind of like a soap opera, previously on Flicks and Picks. We had talked about a movie called Trolls World Tour. That is a movie that Universal Studios had released on video on demand. So if you wanted to watch it and, you know, it's not a bad movie, it's kind of a passable movie. And I think I was a little too nice to it when I reviewed it, to be perfectly honest. But it is it's a passable movie. Parents can watch it at home with their kids. It's fine. It's fine. You know, Um, they had released it on video on demand and you had the option of paying 20 bucks for a 48 hour rental of it. Um, Other movies that are going to be following this would include... um, Scoob, which Warner Bros. is going to do, but, they're, but they have a different plan. So their plan is a lot better. Like you can actually buy the movie for $24.99 instead of just renting it for 48 hours, which honestly I might just do just so I can have it 
there, you know, and you never know if anybody wants to watch that movie. It's, you never know. Um, But AMC Theaters released a statement saying that it no longer wants to show any more films from Universal Studios in theaters when they reopen. And most of you have actually asked why. Why would an AMC why would AMC have an issue with this? Well, going back to that video on demand, it's because Universal Studios actually just went ahead and canceled its original plans to release Tour's World Tour on video uh, in theaters and release it on video on demand. Now, that doesn't seem like a terrible thing it seems like okay well that's logical the reason is that universal studios actually said that they produced more revenue in the digital rentals than they do in theaters and from my understanding digital rentals do actually give um movie studios 80 percent of the profits whereas whereas movie theaters can give up to 60 percent of the profits to movie theaters so that's why sometimes if you go to the movie theater you kind of have to pay a little bit more because when you buy a movie ticket not all of it goes to the movie theater so kind of bear that in mind when you support a movie theater you also have to buy the food and drinks there too it's part it's part of the process it's not it's it's not a bad or a good thing it's just kind of part of the experience and that explains why um why some people complain about the prices and and why the prices are so high in certain things or they seem so high sometimes like you can get a really good deal in a movie theater you know you never know when things move up when movie theaters come back you'll notice that there will be a lot of great incentive for you to come back i would hope so i think a lot of movie theaters will do that but going back to amc theaters they the universal studios has actually said that they are intending to release more movies straight to video on demand instead of theaters to kind of do, they're kind of trying to push for that more or try to do a thing where they would show a movie in theaters and a movie at home so you have an option but they're also trying to do a thing where if maybe a movie isn't anticipated as being super successful at the box office they'll just release it at um at home and i got to say it makes sense so universal studios would want to be this studio because They've had nothing but flops last year. They had Cats, and they also had one flop this year called uh, Dr. Doolittle. These movies are released by Universal, and they are just so bad. It could just be that they're just bad movies. You know, it's it. it trust me, they're bad movies, and they were unappealing, and nobody wants to see ugly CGI animals on, on the big screen, funny enough, or animal-like beings. So I get where Universal Studios sees this big money coming in from digital rentals and they want to cash in on it. But I honestly understand how AMC theaters, they don't want to release their films anymore as as a matter of principle. And Regal Cinemas has actually made a statement too saying that they intend to support AMC theaters too. And that they are also going to say that they do not want to release, um, um, Universal Studios films on their theater too. They're actually standing together on that. And I have a feeling that a lot of other movie theaters um, owned by big chains will slowly but surely start to speak out against what Universal had said. And Universal Studios actually did release a statement saying that they understand the theatrical model and its importance, but they also said that that it was a choice that they couldn't avoid, that they have to release a 
film the film towards world tour because it would deprive audiences from enjoying a movie and that it would also be an opportunity to gain more revenue so that way they can pay their employees and their partners or at least that's what the statement comes across as they they've always they they say in the statement our desire has always been to efficiently deliver entertainment to as wide of an audience as possible we absolutely believe in the theatrical experience and have made no statements to the contrary as we stand stated earlier going forward we expect to release future films directly to theaters as well as paid view on demand when that distribution outlet makes sense we look forward to having additional private conversations with our exhibitor partners, but are disappointed by the seemingly coordinated attempt from AMC and the National Association of Theater Owners to refuse our position and our actions. And NATO, which is the National Association of Theater Owners, they also released a statement saying that they felt that AM, that they're pretty much standing with AMC and they felt that, that they... Um, uh, they felt that there was no coordination between the studio and theaters and that there should be more communication from the studio and that they should have been clearer on their intentions when it comes to releasing films on demand. What gets a film on demand as opposed to theaters? Look, I understand that sometimes a movie just isn't great enough to be in theaters and maybe you'll make more money off in a video on demand. Like, I think maybe even Cats would have benefited from video on demand. I've, I've read some interesting... Uh, reviews from people that I know where they actually rented cats because they said that a they they felt like there was a little bit more of a private transaction especially since it was a movie that they felt a little ashamed of wanting to watch and two they felt that the rental price was much more agreeable and so and they felt that there that there was no real reason to watch Cats on the big screen. And I actually disagree. Watching a bad movie like Cats on the big screen is a whole different experience that's fun. But I actually would say that outside of the news, which is just basically that AMC and NATO and Regal are have made stands against Universal Studios and, and Universal Studios having plans to release films both in theaters and on demand, what are my opinions? Real quick, I, I really do want to say that I side with movie theaters. I think that Universal Studios should understand that they need to make clearer statements and that they need to, when movie theaters open up, prioritize, in my opinion, they need to prioritize theatrical releases because movie theaters are going to suffer in the first couple months. And there's so many, and movie theaters need, um, need large audiences it's a volume business you kind of need people to go to the theater to do it and the more people that come the more money it's not a thing of if one person buys multiple tickets it, it's a thing of re it's not necessarily a thing about repeat customers it's a thing that the movie theaters make a lot of money based on the big movies so universal studios has a lot of big movies coming out in the next year or so so there's a whole thing about are movie theaters going to lose a little bit on that revenue because of that? Or, for example, a movie like Jurassic World, uh, the new Jurassic World movie, that movie is a guaranteed billion-dollar movie. Even though I don't think those movies necessarily deserve to make that much money because the Jurassic World movies are just not great, especially the last one, and I'm not too big about, not too excited about the new one, but I'll be fair when it comes out. So 
but they still make money. They still make money. That's the point. And so movie theaters like AMC, which are doing really badly right now, AMC is really suffering. And AMC, by the way, is getting sued in Florida for rent. And I think it's ridiculous, but I don't want to get too much into it. I'm going to read it up, uh, read up a little bit more on it or see how it develops before talking about it. But I think it's sad that movie theaters are suffering. And movie theaters are a great place for people to go and enjoy um camaraderie with film goers and they could also enjoy the experience buying popcorn popcorn tastes so great when it comes from a movie theater you do not know how great movie theater popcorn is compared to like home popcorn or um trying to get one of those microwavable ones it just doesn't hit it you know and the fact is that in the long run i still buy these beverages and i still buy the the popcorn from movie theaters you know why because it's part of the experience it's fun and it tastes good and i think that y'all if you really think about how movie theaters make their money it really gives context as to why maybe the prices seem a little bit higher than you might think they need to be but it's uh, it, it's something that I really hope movie theaters can survive and I hope so and I think Universal Studios just isn't doing anybody any favors with this and I think they can do a little bit better but again we'll talk more about California movie theaters in when are they going to open when and how we'll talk about that towards the end of the program so stay tuned but coming up next I'm going to talk about the movie Outbreak a 1995 movie about a virus. It's a pandemic movie. Is it as good as Contagion? Or is it as cheesy as I remember it? We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it along with Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is a really beautiful, intellectually stimulating movie. I'll tell you more about it later on. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned. Radio, reinventing talk radio in the Coachella Valley, homemade for the rest of us. From the iHub Radio screening room, this is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. Army doctor, sorry, Army doctors struggled to find a cure for a deadly virus spreading throughout a California town that was brought to America by an African monkey. Dustin Hoffman and Renee Russo are a divorced couple that work together to try to figure out not only the cure for it and to prevent it from escaping a small town of Cedar Creek, which is a fictional California town. In this story, Dustin Hoffman has to fight not only the virus, but also has to fight Donald Sutherland, who plans on taking full, let's just say, really crazy methods to try to resolve this case to try to uh, prevent the um, virus from escaping the small town, which could mean the annihilation of the town. So, all right, all right. So, Outbreak is one of those movies where you kind of have to realize that it is a 1995 movie about a virus and that it's not going to be perfect. It's still going to have the same sort of... um, 1990s deal um 1990s disaster movie vibe with it and i don't think that that's necessarily the way to to kind of handle the subject matter if you want to be uh, timeless but it is very timely and it did come out funny enough around the same time that an ebola uh crisis was happening in another part of the world and i think that 
Outbreak is a very, I would say it's a very smart movie for the most part. I do, I do think that it's very smart in how um, it deals with science in the first hour and a half or so. I think that it, it, a lot of, it kind of like how I said about Outbreak, um, Contagion, I mean, Outbreak really gets into the science of it. And I also think that it's very fascinating in that it really does show you how quickly a virus can spread from animal to human and how and how like um, viruses can mutate and how animals can in some ways can survive and be asymptomatic with viruses and humans cannot and i think that there's a lot of like uh, ideas put there and it doesn't try to bog itself down too much with science like it doesn't come across like it's being super clinical about it i do think that maybe the film could have benefited from being a little bit smarter on that end and but I think it's also a movie that hasn't aged well because of how it's more focused on being entertaining than it is about um, being scientifically accurate. I I do think that it's a cheesy 1990s disaster movie or a 1990s action movie trying to pretend to be like a, um, a virus movie. I think that this is a movie with solid performances from Dustin Hoffman and Rene Russo and Morgan Freeman. They do really good jobs as the well as the doctors who are trying to, well, military doctors who are trying to basically um, find this monkey and try to get its antibodies. And Morgan Freeman does a really good job as playing a um, colonel who is very conflicted about how to handle this virus, which could be just ignore it. Or actually do or try to, I would say, create a uh, fight for an actual solution to this crisis, which huh, sounds familiar, doesn't it? But in the case, I think also this film kind of loses a little bit from having Donald Sutherland, who is the villain. Um, he, for example, is too evil for this film. I think that this is a film that tries, it tries to make a quick argument that maybe this guy isn't so bad after all, but then... I think it's kind of a big failure on the film's part that he's so evil. I think the virus should be the villain while the villain, while the human villain should be more of a misunderstood person, a person that's trying to basically have to make some really difficult decisions and may, may face pressure from like, let's say corporations. Don't, that would make more sense. Contagious never really had a villain to begin with. So I think that a scary virus is already really villainous enough and the fact is that by having this over-the-top black and white villain it almost paints a very ridiculous picture of how the government will cover up something like this and look i get that that's something that may actually happen or something that is act actively happening again i'm not a pol political show but it wouldn't happen the way this film does it i think this film kind of um takes away the reality from it so it doesn't seem as scary but I do think that it is a well-made film from an action perspective. I think that the action is pretty well done and it is intense. And I think as a popcorn entertainment, it is it does work as that. I do think it is a very entertaining movie. It's fun to watch. I think the characters are, you know, they're not perfect, but they're likable enough that you root for them, um, especially the Dustin Hoffman and Rene Russo character and the Kevin Spacey character. You know, my favorite part is when Kevin Spacey gets the virus in the movie and some of you that know me personally know why, but Kevin Spacey does a good job in this movie too, as like this funny um, guy named Casey who makes a lot of jokes. And I, I swear he's like 
that gay best friend that makes all those funny jokes and has every he has something to say for every perspective i i honestly wish that if they remake this movie they should have him be rewritten as a gay character because it would be so much funner um and cooper gooding jr is good too as like a uh, naive um pilot it's actually a really interesting thing is that there are good performances here and i do think that those are worth the ticket um well it's not a you're not buying a ticket for this but you can watch it on netflix for free it is going to be there until the end of may but they're going to take it off so i do recommend watching outbreak again it's fun it's entertaining but it's not really like a smart movie and i think that it kind of loses a little bit because of the fact that it has an over-the-top villain especially when the film wants to be a especially when the film at times wants to be really smart and scientific but then it has an over-the-top villain that kind of kills that and i think that that conflict kind of hurts it from being a four-star movie it's it's a three-star movie it certainly holds up pretty well as entertainment so watch it grab a box of popcorn and actually watch outbreak it's fun stay tuned we're gonna talk about portrait of a lady on fire a really great movie stay tuned live from the coachella valley He calls it as he sees it. This is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza on iHub Radio. Portrait of a Lady on Fire is currently on Hulu, and I'm just saying that right now because you should watch that movie right after you listen to the show. It's that good. Now, this movie is directed by Celine uh, Sikimara, and this woman has created a real masterpiece of a film that I'm just going to say it, should have been postponed for this year. I, I was ho- I'm was i hoping that this movie should have been postponed because honestly, this should have been, this should needs to be an Oscar nominee for next, for this upcoming Oscars. If we do have one, the 2020, the 2020, or as you would say, the 2021 Oscars, they need this as a nominee. And this was nominated. This was on a submissions list, but a movie called Limers Robs got the nomination instead, which you know, that movie's actually pretty good. But this movie, oh boy, this is what you call poetry to the eyes. Visual poetry. Wow. I I could not stop watching this movie. I had to pause it because I needed to go use the restroom, but I felt so reluctant to do so. I actually didn't even pause it to begin with. I just watched it straight onwards because it went by so quickly. And yet I was so glued to the screen. I, I thought it was very beautiful. And you may be asking, wait a minute. What's this movie about? Now, if you haven't seen the trailer for it, and I would be surprised if you did see a trailer for it because I actually saw um, a trailer for this movie when I saw um, Little Women and I saw other movies that were getting Oscar buzz. So Parasite as well. And I thought, what a beautiful trailer. And it tells you nothing and everything in that trailer. And it's one of those really impressive movie trailers that people kind of didn't talk enough about. And I, and I should have talked about it. But this movie is a period drama about that takes place in 18th century France. It's a it's about a woman who named Marianne who is a beautiful young painter. She is hired to paint the portrait of Eloise for her wedding. Now Eloise does not want to get married. She's not interested in it. She objects to it, and so painting her is an impossibility because she refuses co- to cooperate even with any sort of wedding preparations including the paint, including the portrait. 
but the portrait means a lot to her and she actually does not want any sort of portrait. So artists have tried to come and try to paint her, but she rejects them. And so Marianne decides to, Marianne along with Eloise's mother have to secretly paint her, that they have to not say that she's there as a painter, but a companion. And so there is a relationship that sort of forms out of this companionship. And so every day she watches her day in day and paints her secretly. But it's not just about the painting or it's about the connection and the companionship that comes from it and the closeness that the painting represents to them. I actually will say that this is one of those movies that I'm going to only leave you with the basic starting premise, but this film, how it transforms and changes. It's a film that does not stick too much to the storyline of the secret painting. It, it, it grows and evolves into these relationships between these two women and including a subplot with the servant that they help out with. This is servant uh, Eloise's um, maid. She has her own storyline too in the sort of relationship that they form with her as well. I think this is a movie that's very much about atmosphere, uh, visuals and cinematography, but it tells a vi- and it's a very show don't tell sort of movie. You have a connection with these two characters, but you see it in the in the context of like their environments. You see um, how their relationship goes from their walks when you see that when when you see them walking on this cliff, almost as if they are walking on the edge of something, but they're not quite sure if they want to jump off the edge into the water. And I also like the dialogue that the characters have because it's it's not only very honest, it's very minimal. I like the fact that these characters don't want to say too much, but they eventually do. But what they do say, it leaves you thinking. And it's very real because a lot of times people, when they want to say their intentions, they will not necessarily say everything. Um, um, I would say if people don't want to say too much but they want to say everything the way this film describes it. It's very true. I've seen people kind of say something that's very minimal, but imply something greater. I've seen that happen in my own real life. And I think this film captures that really well. And I love these conversations that the two women have. And I think that Naomi Merlant as Marianne, the painter and Adele Hanel as Eloise, the woman that's about to get married, the woman who's betrothed. They are so, they're so great. They're revelations. This is a, this is, these two women have such great chemistry on screen and within themselves, they have such, an, such a strong understanding of their characters. It It's wonderful. I was amazed by how, how much they can say with just a look. And there's this moment where they talk about smiles and then it gets followed up later with a genuine smile later on in the film. And it's, it pays off so marvelously. It, this movie is a is is a real testament to an audience's patience because you would watch this movie and something gets brought up and you later on the payoff is so rewarding, especially the title. When the movie actually throws out the title in the beginning in the first um in the first scene of the movie and then later on when it's brought up again it's earned and you honestly get it and you understand and make such a powerful statement. I think 
the one person that should really get a lot of credit for this movie is Claire Montoff, who is the cinematographer. She really knows how to not only capture the look of 18th century France. It almost looks like I was trans. Honestly, it does look like I was transported into another world. I can feel the wind hitting me. That's how intimately she knows how to film scenes. She knows how to film scenes where the characters are walking on a cliff that's over a body of water. And you know how if you go to the beach, you f- it's a little bit windier than if you were to leave. Like if you walk away from the beach, it's not as windy. But if you live near a beach, it's always sort of windy. That's how it's captured. It's captured so well. And I think that I just love how there's a poetry to it, but it also looks really realistic. Like you know how you know how the houses at the time they kind of look and I like the fact that the photography adds a sort of magic to them even though it's still realistic there's nothing super uh, super I would say flamboyant about it it's just beautiful to look at and all, and and whenever they do kind of go into surreal moments you you understand them by the end of the film there's a sort of image that keeps popping up of one of the characters in a white dress And when the film pushes this image over and over again, you begin to slowly understand what it means. And by the end of it, you really do feel like it was, you got it, you understood it. And I think that this is a film that by the end of the movie, it hits you really well. The final shot, this is a film that has one of the best ending final shots I've seen ever in cinema. It's so impactful. And the usage of music in this film, which affects that final shot. This movie doesn't have a lot of music in it. Um, I think I would even say it's a very silent movie for the most part, very quiet. And so the times they do use music, it means something. The three times where the music really stuck out to me would include the final shot of the film, which is so beautiful and relies so much on one performance that's so... This, this actress really got it on point. The reason I don't want to say the name of the actress is because, again, it's, it might be a spoiler, but this, is, this final shot, it really hits you, and it really gets you... It, it almost puts you on the verge of tears because of how beautiful it is and how, mu- and how much this character had grown from the end of the film. This is what I really like to call as feminist cinema. This is a movie that really talks a lot about how women have evolved and changed and even, and how women, for the most part, view themselves and how they discover, um, not only discover t- within themselves, but also th- what they discover through relationships with other women. I think this is a great movie in which almost all the characters are women, and it's so wonderful. It really tells you a lot about how great a movie can be when a woman writes a film about women, and the interactions between the women are so realistic. And the storyline with the maid, which maybe may or may not be a good thing depending on your beliefs on um, certain issues but I like the fact that the women they're still together despite their differences that they still stick together and they have these um, unspoken um, connection together with the other women and that they prioritize the safety of other women and I think it makes sense it's really nice and it's actually a really wonderful thing that this movie adds is the connections and the friendships that women make with each other I think that the title of this movie it's I would say the portrait of a lady on fire the title of the movie is just another thing I want to talk about but I don't want to spoil this movie it's so difficult when you have a movie that's so good and you don't want to spoil it but 
the moment where you figure out the title and you and you see the title visualized on screen it it tells you a lot about what it means to be a very passionate person but also the sometimes what happens when passion gets too hot you know when things kind of light up what does fire do it burns you so it really makes you think about that sort of things about how these characters go through this passionate moment in their lives and what happens when the passion burns you or you're burnt out on it. I think this is a film that is very intelligent and very smart. It's a very smart movie, but it's also very deliberate in that it every scene matters. Every scene builds on upon each other and every scene ends when it needs to. It begins where it needs to. There's nothing of waste here. This is a really beautiful, wonderful movie. This is my favorite movie of 2020 so far. This is a movie that has really, in my opinion, it is a groundbreaking movie, not only on a social level when it comes to women and, um, I don't want to spoil too much. I guess like the sort of the the LGBT community, the it it has a lot of strength in it for on that end. But I think it's also a very beautiful movie that hopefully movies try to replicate replicate how you film love stories or you replicate how you film uh, period pieces. This is a really great movie. And I and I think you should definitely watch it. If you have not seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire because you might have missed out on it or didn't come out in your town, it is available on Hulu. And I'm not sure how long it's going to be available on there because the Criterion Collection actually is going to release it on Blu-ray later on this year. So um, meanwhile, you're stuck at home. Go give a movie like Portrait of a Lady on Fire a chance. It is available on there in French with English subtitles, so you won't miss a single thing. But even if you don't want to read subtitles, this movie, the dialogue is so minimal. It's about the visuals. It's about the the language that the, that the cinematography tries to illustrate to you. It's about the relationships. It's about passion. It's about love. It's about so many things, and it doesn't have to, too much dialogue. So even if you don't want to read too much subtitles, Go watch it. You're missing out on a lot of great movies if you choose not to watch foreign movies. It actually makes, it's kind of sad. And I don't know how much of a film buff one can be when you miss, if you only focus on American films or movies that are in English. You're missing out on a movie like this. Go watch it. It's amazing. This is one, this is the most beautiful movie I've seen this year. 2020 has really hit a strong mark with Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Go watch it. It's currently on Hulu. Again, I can't emphasize how beautiful this movie is. Beautiful cinematography. The atmosphere is perfect. And um, Celine Sekimaira, the director, is so wonderful at directing this movie. And Naomi Merlant and Adele Hensel depict two of my favorite cinematic characters from the last couple years. Mar- the story of Marianne and Eloise will be a story that you'll be thinking about for a very long time. And that final shot is cinematic brilliance. Go watch it. You'll be missing out if you don't. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about some more movie news here on Flicks and Picks. Stay tuned. When you want to know what happened and why and what's next in the Coachella Valley, come here. iHub Radio the local news talk authority. This is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. 
Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Now here's Brian Mendoza. So Governor Gavin Newsom, who is the governor of California, um, I wanted to talk specifically about how he has created a four-stage plan and how movie theaters will benefit from this plan by the third stage. So currently we're on the first stage of this plan in which non-essential businesses and grocery stores are open. Non-essential businesses are closed, grocery stores are open, hospitals obviously, and a couple other things. But in stage three, stage three is the point where movie theaters, hair salons, and a couple other places like nail, nail salons, gyms, and churches with restrictions can reopen. And sporting events can still be held, but without spectators. The idea is that it's to be, it's to kind of open things up very slowly and surely, hopefully, we get to stage four, which will only happen if there is a herd immunity, which may or may not be a possibility, but we can't rely on that. And the greater possibility of it being, which is the coronavirus vaccine, which is still a while away. And that's, it's a disappointment that we, that unfortunately we never got a coronavirus vaccine, which is, it's really sad because we actually read up on it, read up on the, read up on the fact that we could have had a vaccine by now if it wasn't for certain, let's just say for certain aspects of government uh, decision-making, but we'll, we'll leave it at that. Like I said, we'll leave it at that, not a political show, (laughs) but um, in stage three, they said that stage three is still months away as opposed to stage two, which would mean like um, retail stores with um, curbside pickup or manufacturing situations or offices, they will be able to open up. So in a couple of weeks, I'll be going back to my day job, hopefully. But the idea is to eventually give it to stage four. And I think California is, in my personal opinion, California is making the right choice because we're putting so much... Um, so much emphasis on health and I think it's important. And also like, I think that slowly but surely we can hopefully movie theaters aren't damaged too much. And I think you should support your local movie theater. If they're doing options like last week, they did an option at the Mary Pickford theater, which is to open it, which is to sell food and get money to fundraise for their employees. I think hopefully hopefully your movie theater, your local movie theater in California is doing that so you can help them out. Meanwhile, there's still a crisis going on and we can wait until stage three happens. And I think it's very important that California reaches a comfortable place because a lot of movies premiere in Los Angeles and a lot of movie theaters, movie theater chains kind of rely on Los Angeles and New York and various other big cities to kind of bring in that revenue. Los Angeles is a pretty big, it's, it's an epicenter for movies. So for me, Personally, I think it's important for us to understand that movie theaters, uh, movie theaters, when when California opens up movie theaters, that's going to be a very good sign for for the for the national conversation on when to reopen movie theaters up. And I think California, I think hopefully I'm kind of glad that California is kind of not being too strict on movie theaters when it comes to them selling food and products, because I think it's. I think it would be great. And there's some talk about drive-in theaters and all that, which could be a possibility. But again, don't, don't, don't think too much about it because you know for a fact when stage four happens, you're going to go back to a movie theater. 
don't pretend like you're going to, if you could not bring back drive-in theaters pretty recently when, especially when there's like a 1980s resurgent, a resurgent, a nostalgia for like older stuff like 1980s or things like that, uh, like a resurgence of nostalgia last decade. I don't know if you, if people, if I can really rely on people bringing back um, uh, drive-in theaters, that's up to you to do that. Uh, COVID-19 will bring about a temporary resurgence in them, but I don't know. I'll have to wait. I'll have to wait and see, of course. But I think it's great, and I'm really happy to say that 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 movie theaters will hopefully reopen and be in a positive situation, but I don't know. Are people going to feel confident enough and safe enough to do that? I would, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to go straight into a movie theater when this is over, the ne- when the new movie comes out, of course. When a new movie comes out, like Wonder Woman, hopefully movie theaters, it's still months away. August is still months away, so hopefully Wonder Woman <laughs> is something I can watch when it comes out in theaters because I've been wanting to see that. So when it, when when Governor Newsom says it's okay, I trust him enough. I, I do actually trust Governor Newsom to come up with a plan, and I love the fact that he hasn't given us a magic date for it because it's I'd rather hear a week before that it's going to happen rather than say like three weeks uh, three weeks ahead and then it turns out we have to delay I'd rather him say that a week from now things will be we can op- will be at stage two we're still at stage one so hopefully when stage two happens and things are great then stage four then stage three will happen and then hopefully stage four happens soon but it's great to see that he is really thinking about movie theaters. But again, we're going to have to wait and see. Be patient, everybody. Just be patient. Stick to social distancing. Stay home. Do what you can. Um, do what you can to try to not get sick because the more numbers, the less likely we'll um, be able to open up or get to stage three soon. And don't protest. It, it's not actually going to help you out. Sorry. It's just I'm just going to be straight up with people. I'm going to be honest. If you protest, that's actually damaging your situation. Just stay home. Trust me. This is a case where nobody's going to listen to you if you protest because it's this is going to be historically not a good thing. And protests are a breeding ground for coronavirus. But again, not a political show. But I'm just saying, if you want movie theaters to open, protesting is not going to help them out. How you can help them out is support by when they do fundraisers, buy from them. So if you didn't do that, you're not really helping them out. And protesting is actually hurting movie theaters if you do that. So just letting you know. And finally, a couple pieces of news. Two TV shows are actually being produced. Goosebumps, the book series that eventually got adapted into a TV show in the 90s, and then two movies in the 2010s. They are actually going to get a live action series, and it's currently being produced by Scholastic Entertainment, Sony Pictures Television, and the people and the original film production company that actually helmed the two movies. I wonder how that's going to be. Hopefully it's good. I I would like for it to be like an anthology series more than a continuation of the show. I would really love to see how new technology and special effects will improve upon the stories, which, you know, were adapted well enough in the nineties for the TV show, but the special effects don't really hold up anymore. So hopefully this is a great opportunity to do better. And Hellraiser is getting a TV show that's being produced by David Gordon Green, or at least he's directing the pilot, and it's going to be produced at HBO. And hopefully, hopefully, it's a very hopefully it's good. I'm hoping because this is a series that has had a lot of problems, especially considering how bad it can get. Hopefully, hopefully it's good. 
that's I'll keep my eye for it. It's like I always say on this program, just got to keep my eye for it. Okay, just to summarize this week's movies that I've reviewed, Outbreak, I gave that three stars. It's an entertaining popcorn flick about a virus. It's not the smartest contagion, but it's a fun movie. It's currently on Netflix until May. Please watch it before the end of May because it will leave. And currently on Hulu, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is not only one of the most intellectually stimulating movies, but it's a very visually beautiful movie as well. Go watch that movie. Four stars. Best movie of 2020. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, wash your hands, and stay at home.